You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we're going to continue on with what we've been doing recently. I hope everybody had a good Father's Day or whatever, good weekend. But I think for today, I want to look at our tight end situation. Again, some guys need more uh, refresher than others. I know we just did this with the rookies, which is kind of weird. It's like going through the same grade, the same thing or whatever. But for me, I'm already kind of forgetting. You know, you start to build up stuff in your head and, and either over-exaggerate, under-exaggerate, misremember. So we'll do a little touch-up on Musgrave and Kraft. Uh, probably a much-needed Josiah DeGuara update just because we all, I mean, we all know who the guy is. But good little refresher on... Uh, some of the details. My best friend Tyler Davis. We've also got Austin Allen. And then uh, we have one new undrafted free agent tight end by the name of Cameron McDonald. So that's on the docket today. Any time left over, we'll just go to the phones for a little uh, Packernet extra, Packernet after dark bonus if we have time. Before we get there, though, I, I just want to just very briefly what the heck is going on with the Jordan Love thing? I very briefly went on the Twitters and I saw apparently some Bears fan handed him his phone. He was like, hey, man, could you just do me a favor and, you know, wish Happy Father's Day to the Bears fans in France or whatever? And he's like, yeah, hey, Happy Father's Day to Bears fans. Go pack up. And I was like, oh, that was nice. And I come back on and it is all out war. And it is the dumbest war I've ever seen in my life. On one side, you have a group of people saying, dang, Jordan Love just dunked on the Bears. Apparently, the thought process being Jordan Love is saying Happy Father's Day because he's their daddy, which I don't think that makes a ton of sense. First of all, it just it's not something he would do, I don't think. Also, you don't say Happy Father's Day. I, I personally didn't wake up and say Happy Father's Day to my kids. Like, good morning, Happy Father's Day. That's not how that works. They say it to you. So if you say Happy Father's Day to Bears fans in the same sense that kids say it to their dad, then that would mean the Bears are his daddy right so that that doesn't really make any sense and then on the other side mostly bears fans you had two different camps of bears fans number one the bears fans who were crapping in their pants because they were so upset about this supposed dunking on bears fans and they're riling and just thrashing and having a panic attack about this and then you have apparently another group that believes that jordan love is saying that the Bears are his daddy or something. I, 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 I just the whole thing. And then there's all the fighting and all. He's a daddy. Blah, blah, blah. Freaking that Bears fan from Barstool was losing his mind. And it's like, are you guys serious? And then there needed to be like this big explanation about what happened. It's like, why on God's green earth would that have not, would, would what, it, what did happen? Why would that not be the most rational possible explanation to begin with? I mean, I guess I can understand if you're coming in cold and you just see, hey, like if you thought he did it from his own phone and he was just like, hey, happy Father's Day to Bears fans. Go Pack Go. Like, that's weird. What does that mean? I, 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 don't, I don't know. 
I, it's it's uh, it was the dumbest thing ever, and it lasted way too long. It was a full day of arguing about what Justin Fields meant when he was just being nice and saying, "Hey, shout out to Bears fans, go Pack, go." That's it. So, anyways, as with all things, be slow to launch into something on social media. Give it a little bit. Be patient. Wait to see all the information and all the facts. It's the best thing you can do. Wait for the articles to come out and everything else. Because then you can be the one to step in to the aftermath and just look around and say, you're all a bunch of idiots. And it's so much more satisfying than being one of the idiots. Just slow down. Take a breath. All right. Um, what else is going on? There was one other thing, I think. Oh, no, we'll save that for the other end of the break. That's, uh, that's pretty funny stuff. The other one final thing. <laughs> I mentioned uh, doing, like, flashcards or something. I, listen, I found the site um, for, for this whole thing. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. I was talking about doing flashcards for the sake of like what we're trying to cover now, which is getting more familiar with our team. I'm probably going to do a couple different sets of flashcards because it's like, well, what do you want to put on the other side of it? And you can only put so much crap. I guess you could put everything, but better to just, you know, do different flashcards for different stuff. So I'm in the process of making that. I have almost the entire offense done. I'm actually on tight ends right now. And then that's kind of what got me to the point where I was like, why don't you do the podcast so you don't run out of time again? But for example... On the front, it'll say a player's name, like Austin Allen. On the back, you've got three different things. Position, how acquired, and when acquired. And some of them are a little bit fuzzy, but for example, with Austin Allen, do you know what would be on the back? Tight end is number one. Then I have New York Giants undrafted free agent in 2022. And then Green Bay signed off of New York Giants practice squad January of 2023. Some of them are much more simplistic, like Tucker Craft, tight end, drafted round three, 2023. But a lot of these are going to look at and be like, this is stupid. I already know all this stuff. I know Samori Turia was a seventh round pick and whatever. What about Kadeem Telfort? What about Luke Tenuta? Do you know about Luke Tenuta? You know, Buffalo drafted him in round six in 2022. Do you know that? Six round pick? I didn't know that until I did this. We'll get there. But also, so those flashcards are going to be a thing. I'm not sure what to do about the flashcards. I want to kind of finish it and then explore some of the options. I could just send it out to all the Packers world. I could just send it to Patreon. I could do a little bit of a higher tier on Patreon because if I also do it on the Substack, people on Substack pay more than a dollar a month. So it's like, well, I should probably up it a little bit on Patreon. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it yet. I got to kind of explore that. In fact, I don't even know. I So th- this is sort of a new option, at least I think it is, where you can either create something for yourself or you can like host a class. I don't. Can I just have like unlimited people come in and do that? I have no idea. I don't know. But again, I just got started. That's going to be a thing. And uh, I'm going to be using it. And hopefully some other people will be interested in using it too. And again, I want to do some other flashcards. Because there's other information that maybe we don't know. We could do other teams. Other information about the players. Like, you know, as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh man, I should have put what school they came from. Like, Do I want to go back and add it? Um, You know, what was their PFF grade last year? Seems kind of silly. But at the same time, I think a lot of people forget. Or just didn't know. You know, like, again, Romeo Dobbs, we're like, he had a great year. And you flip the card over and it says he had, like, a 61 grade or something. It's like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Or rank or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking. So that's a thing. All right. Now I think we can get started. Well, let's start with Josiah DeGuara. I know that's not the most fun thing to do, and he's probably not tight end one anymore. But let's just pretend he is out of respect for Josiah DeGuara, all right? So one of the fun things about Josiah DeGuara when he came out is that he came out of Cincinnati, which has produced a lot of really good tight ends. I don't know if it's considered tight end you, but I 
think it maybe should be. It's an option anyways. I don't remember exactly who, I think Tyler Eifert was one of the guys. Also played for Cincinnati Bengals, so there's that. Uh, Brent Selleck. I don't know. Anyways, it was a thing. Another thing I really liked about him is that he played uh, four years at Cincinnati, and it was a school that I thought ran an offense that, at least when I watched him on tape, looked a lot like what Matt LaFleur was wanting to do. When you looked at all the different motions and different kinds of things that he was doing in Cincinnati, it felt a lot like something he would want to do in Green Bay. Graded out fairly well, at least his last two years when he played the most, 78 and then 70 grade. Receiving was 70 and then 67. Uh, his final year, 500 yards, seven touchdowns. And then the six foot two, 238 pound tight end was taken by the Green Bay Packers in 2020 in the third round, pick 94 overall, which I have to assume if we'd have taken him a round earlier or later, he'd have been a Hall of Famer by now. But of course, we took him uh, in the third round, so he's, he's just dragging that curse around. Sorry, Tucker Craft. Then in 2020, he starts for the Green Bay Packers and is injured almost immediately, misses the entire season, comes back next year, which was 2021. That was his first year um, essentially playing for the offense. Really doesn't get a fair shake at starting until about midseason, similar to what Christian Watson was around week 10. He had only one game where he played more than 10 snaps. That was week three against San Francisco. Um, his grades were not great weeks one through nine. In fact, they were quite bad, but again, he didn't play a ton. And then he had 17 snaps week 10, and then he was up to 20 in week 11 and never dipped below 20 for the rest of the season. He ended this season with a 55.6 grade, only 245 yards. He did have two touchdowns on top of that. He ended up grading out as the fourth worst tight end in 2021 with his, uh, well, fourth worst receiving grade with a 52.6. Only Ryan Griffin, Tommy Tremble, and Farrell Brown were worse. He was the eighth worst tight end overall. It was a little bit better if you look at um, weeks 11 and beyond. Fifth worst receiving grade, 16th worst overall um, tight end. That would be... um, He ranked 22nd out of 37 tight ends overall. Mostly, he lived in the 50s, if you look at his his week-to-week grades, with just a couple good games mixed in. So, um, you know, if we just start from the beginning, it's like 50, 60, 50, 50, 70, 50, 50, 70, 50, 70, 50, 50, 50, 70, and then finally against San Francisco as a 40. So he is consistently just down in the 50s, which is not good. And then just randomly, week 8 against Arizona, week 11 against Minnesota, week 14 against Chicago, week 18 against Detroit, he's got higher grades. Now, there is a correlation between his grades being higher and his stats being higher. That seems somewhat self-evident, but it kind of harkens back to the Packernet After Dark from, I think, two days ago when the question was asked, how much does you know quarterback play or whatever factor in? And the reality is, as much as it shouldn't factor in, it kind of has to. If you catch a pass, that's a positive thing. If you're open and the ball doesn't get thrown to you, that might be somewhat positive, but it's not as positive if we can add to it that you caught a pass and then you got yards after the catch or whatever. So the bottom line is, he could be the exact same tight end, but just by virtue of him potentially, and this may not be the case, but potentially being used more often, if he gets more receptions, more yards, whatever, that his grades will necessarily go up. Again, that shouldn't factor in. Ideally, grades are just a a, a function of how good are you independent of how often you're utilized, how good your quarterback is, how much you're, you're brought into the scheme or whatever. But I think that's an impossible metric. 
All right, so that was 2021. Then last year was essentially, as much as it seems like he's been here a much longer time, essentially year two for him. And really, it wasn't a ton better. He went from a 55 overall grade to a 57 overall grade. However, he did improve as a receiver. He went from a 52 to a 62, which is a pretty solid improvement. Um, The pass blocking, by the way, has been terrible every year. 35 in 2021, 34 this past year. Um, His drops massively improved from 2021 to 2022. The, uh, The fact that he didn't his grade didn't go up, I can only assume, is, is run blocking went down. But really, if you look at a week-by-week situation, it's almost identical. And in fact, his yards went yards and touchdowns went down. He went from 33 targets down to 15 targets, 25 receptions down to 13 receptions, 245 yards down to 114 yards, two touchdowns down to zero touchdowns, which in a weird way might be somewhat positive because he doesn't have the statistics inflating in, in fact the statistics sort of deflated but anyways it's the exact same thing it's 80 week one against minnesota and then 50 50 40 and then 70 80 50 50 50 40 50 70 50 50 50 60 50 the guy lives in the 50s now interestingly enough he actually played a significant amount less than last year which is just weird to me and a lot of us were saying why isn't josiah playing more and i don't know the answer to that it's not because we had better time i mean it's not that we had better tight end situation than we had in 2021 because we didn't. We didn't have a better wide receiver situation. We, 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 if anything, we got significantly worse. We lost Devontae. Mercedes was a year older. Tunyon just was a complete non-factor. I don't know why he wasn't utilized. But remember, he played the entire second half of the season from week 11 on, never dipped below 20 snaps. He played 20 snaps once last year. That was week nine against Detroit. He had double-digit snaps just four times last year. So his grades aren't great, but it doesn't even hardly matter. He didn't he didn't hardly play at all last year, at least in terms of the 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 passing. And I shouldn't call it snaps. These are passing snaps. I don't know how often he was used as a run blocker or on running downs. Probably maybe that was his main focus, but we're talking on average, he was out there for seven passing snaps. And then it's a question how often did he actually run routes? He ran 102 routes. That's six routes per game. So massively underutilized. And the only thing I could think is, is Matt LaFleur and the, and the crew just really doesn't like him as a receiver. And, and again, from a fan standpoint, from everybody I've heard from, myself included, it sounds like we all kind of liked what we saw when we saw him. We just didn't see him very much. So for whatever reason, his role massively decreased. And then the fact that we went out and drafted two tight ends, I can only think that it's it's... I mean, granted, we lost two tight ends in addition. Maybe we're just replacing them. But I, I don't feel like there's a really high comfort level with Josiah DeGuara. I hope I'm wrong. I like DeGuara. He plays a different role than everybody, but I, I, there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing here. They cut his usage in half at a time when we desperately needed help. I mean, he's literally in half. So... You know, again, if he gets utilized more, I do expect his. you're going to see a bounce in his grades. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, not to say that he's going to get cut down anymore. It might be back a little bit closer to what we saw in 2021. I don't really know. It might even be his, his highest ever in terms of usage. But I still don't think it's going to be a big number because I think they're going to lean more on Musgrave and Kraft, probably, as well as the wide receivers and the running backs. It, I, it just doesn't seem like they want to use DeGuara. Just the impression I'm getting. Speak of the devil, let's move on to the rookies. Starting with the six foot six, two hundred and fifty-three pound Luke Musgrave. He ran a four six one, but 
That is a kind of just a nonsense number, in my opinion. Musgrave, like a lot of the guys that we've talked about already, and and um, many of our draft class, it's really contingent on very small sample sizes, right? For, so like with Jaden Reed, he had that one good year, and it wasn't his most recent year. For Luke Musgrave, he had four years. He essentially played a semi-significant amount of snaps in three of those four years. And I say semi-significant because we're talking his, his highest season in terms of targets was 37 with 22 receptions. It's not exactly a massive number. But then this final year, he had um, 50% of that amount of receptions with uh, 11 receptions. And that happened in two games. He had a 72.5 overall grade, 80 receiving grade. His grades prior were 60-50-60. So he had a breakout that consisted of two games. Now, I can't help but assume that the two-game breakout really doesn't play a ton into it other than to confirm what the Packers felt like they knew based on his athleticism. In other words, he should be able to do it. We just haven't seen it. And then they got to see it and said, okay, let's seal the deal. I mean, it, that's it right there. That's what we were expecting from him, et cetera, et cetera. I think it just has more to do with his athleticism, his ability as a tight end. And again, these, these two games were... And I'll, I'll say this as well. It probably is to our benefit that Luke Musgrave got hurt after week two or in week two or whatever that was. And the reason I say that is because if he had finished this season and he puts up something in the order of like a thousand yards and, and nine touchdowns, the Packers probably don't draft him. He is going to go in the first round. We're not going to take him at 12 or whatever. I don't even remember. Where, where, where do we pick? 11? Whatever. Yeah, I've already memory dumped the whole draft. But anyways, that ended up working, I believe, to our benefit. Um, heading over to the guide really quick, Dane Brugler's guide. Dane Brugler was really, really high on Luke Musgrave, had him as tight end three on his board behind Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid only. Might as well get to it right away. He also had Tucker Craft number five. So according to Dane Brugler, we got uh, two of the top five tight ends in a stacked tight end group, which is pretty awesome. He had him as a first to second round uh, prospect. Luke Musgrave, big skier from the Pacific Northwest. Age 14, he won the overall title at the Pacific Northwestern Buddy Werner Championship for the Mount Hood Race Team, sweeping the three major races, the Super G, the Slalom, and the Giant Slalom. So, very good skier, I guess. Played football, lacrosse, track. Musgrave earned first-team all-class at tight end uh, and defensive end as a senior with his team-best 31 catches, 563 yards, four touchdowns, and added 42 tackles. Three-year letterman in lacrosse and earned first-team all-league as a sophomore and junior. Musgrave was a champion alpine ski racer and also lettered in track, sprints, relays, throws, and jumps. He set personal best in the 100 meters, 200 meters, shot, put, javelin, long jump, triple jump, which ranked top five in the 2019 state championships. Three-star recruit, number 37 tight end in the 2019 recruiting class, number five out of Oregon. Since he didn't play varsity until his junior year, he wasn't really well known in the recruiting trail until his standout performances at summer camp prior to his senior year. Offered, uh, got offers from Oregon, both Oregon schools, so Oregon, Oregon State, and was many were surprised that he chose the hometown feel of Oregon State over Oregon. So that's another thing you look at and say, well, it was a smaller school. He could have gone to Oregon. Probably would have had bigger stats and bigger everything, but he just liked the feel of it, so he went to Oregon State. Tons of family ties. We don't need to go through the whole thing, but lots of football players. Younger brother, Colt, three-star linebacker, 
His dad was an All-American high school quarterback, went on to be an orthopedic hand surgeon. Uh, his uncle Bill was a four-year starting quarterback, drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 91, and then became an assistant coach. So this is his uncle for 25 years for um, the Eagles, the Panthers, University of Virginia, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings, Oakland Raiders, Denver Broncos, and Cal. Anyways, the summary here, and by the way, he had, he had him graded as the number 29 overall prospect. But he said, a two-year starter at Oregon State, Musgrave is a wide tight end and offensive coordinator Brian Lind, uh, Lindgren's run-heavy scheme, which again, impacts everything. Lining up both in line and in the slot after two seasons as a backup behind two future NFL players, Noah Togiai, who went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and Tegan Quitoriano for the Houston Texans. He became a starter as a junior, but his targets were limited in the Beavers' run-first offense, and he missed almost all his senior year because of injury. An impressive size, speed athlete, Musgrave runs like a gazelle, elite high school track numbers for his size, and his lacrosse and skiing backgrounds translate to football with his core strength and hip fluidity as both a pass catcher and blocker. He blocks with outstanding body control and leverage to be a physical edge setter and engage defenders at the second and third levels, although he still needs to improve his sustained skills and steadiness as a pass blocker. Overall, Musgrave must continue to build up his football resume and overall consistency, but he is a high-level athlete with the route running and blocking talent to be a productive starting combo tight end in the NFL. He should be the first-ever Oregon State tight end drafted in the top 100 picks, and he was. He went 43 overall. No real need to bring up the 53 at this point. Obviously, he and DeGuara and Tucker and those guys are going to be pretty comfortable. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break right here. Big massive shout out to Mr. Brandon Lancour and for Dane Stromstad. Thank you guys both so much for jumping in on Patreon. I really do appreciate that. Remember, you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy or Venmo at Packernet Podcast. Please remember to check the pinned post either on Facebook or on my Twitter trying to help a fellow Packer fan whose family is going through a traumatic experience. There's a GoFundMe posted over there. Any little bit that you can do would be greatly appreciated. Take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's get moving with Tucker Craft here. 
Tucker Craft, six foot five, two fifty four. Three years at South Dakota State, two years really as a starter. As per usual, 2021 was better than 2022. He had an 85 grade, an 89 receiving grade. That dropped down to a 79 and 76. However, he played about a half a season, injuries, etc., etc. And um, so there's that. So one year, and he was very good that one year, and that one year was 2021. In 2021, he had 770 yards and six touchdowns. 31% out of the slot, 2.38 yards per route run, 128.6 passer rating when targeted, caught 75% of his contested catches, 9 of 12, although he was 0 for 4 in 2022, 16 missed tackles forced, 41 first downs. Again, Brugler had him as the tight end 5 in this class. He ran a 4.6940 at the combine, but he got that down to a 4.62 at his pro day. He also went from 254 up to 259 just from that time period there, so he's closer to 260 now. But uh, grew up in a small town in South Dakota, a small farming town with a population of just over 500 in Timberlake, South Dakota. Played nine-man football as a three-year, uh, three-year starter there at Timberlake, eventually playing Wildcat quarterback. He also lettered in basketball. He initially hoped to play college basketball instead of football and earned second-team All-State honors, averaging 14.2 points, 8.0 rebounds, 2.0 steals per game. I think that's always a good thing to hear about a tight end. Good basketball player. Uh, He was a no-star recruit, not ranked online for any of the recruiting services, didn't have any scholarship offers after his junior year, but attended several camps and started to receive attention from college programs. He received offers from several Division II programs, followed by South Dakota State, his first Division I offer. He committed almost immediately and became the first commit to the Jack Rabbits 2019 recruiting class. However, Kraft did visit Iowa State and started to draw looks from other FBS, FBS schools. He did receive an offer from Wyoming and was ready to decommit from South Dakota State, but the coaches convinced him to stay close to home. After the 2021 season, Kraft received six-figure NIL NIL offers to enter the transfer portal and several national programs, including Alabama, but again stayed loyal to the relationships built at South Dakota State, which again is always quite remarkable because you never know how things are going to turn out. Even though I understand the sales pitch was essentially, look, stay here. You're going to make so much more money when you go to the NFL. It's not going to matter. First of all, there's no guarantee you're going to the NFL. You can get injured. You might not end up making it into the NFL. You might not end up making much money in the NFL if you end up going because you get drafted real late and you don't make much money and uh, you flame out or something. I don't know. Bird in the hand, man. Plus, you think you're going to receive less offers from Alabama? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, again, you look at it and say, eh, small school guy. Yeah, but Alabama wanted him. That means something. Uh, Again, family ties. His dad was a record-breaking NAIA wide receiver. Tried out for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, His dad tragically died 2013, piloting a crop duster. So he is one of three players on this team that have lost their fathers early, including Jordan Love and Jaden Reed. Uh, And then skipping down to the summary, a three-star starter at South Dakota State. Kraft was a hybrid tight end, inline wing, and slot in the Jackrabbits' balance offense after passing on a lucrative NIL offer from teams like Alabama. He returned to Brookings in 2022 for what NFL scouts expected to be his breakout season, but an ankle injury in the first quarter of the opener versus Iowa curtailed that plan. He still returned and helped the program win the 2022 FCS National Championship. As a pass catcher, Kraft is an outstanding catch-and-go creator with fluid adjustment skills and balanced feet. As a blocker, he might not be polished, but he gets after it with body control and desire to sustain and finish blocks. 
Since 1976, South Dakota State has only produced two top 100 draft picks, and both were tight ends. Dallas Goddard, the number 49 pick in 2018, and Steve Hayden, number 69 in 1999. Kraft should be the third. Overall, Kraft needs development time to refine his route running and blocking techniques, but he is big, strong, and athletic with the ball skills and blocking tenacity to evolve into an NFL starter. His play style and talent are reminiscent of Foster Moreau. And obviously he was top 100. He went 79 to the Packers. So again, it'll be real interesting to see how this all comes to be. It, it seems to me, you know, if you were to just lay it out right now, Musgrave is, you know, in, in order of importance and what kind of a role they're going to have. Musgrave is number one, Kraft is number two, and DeGuara is number three. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily rule out Tucker Kraft because, again, remember, he really wasn't playing due to injury until very very late so we get him a little bit more time as he come back into training camp and we'll kind of get to see as we maybe start to put some pads on and whatnot maybe tucker craft starts to emerge with his more physical play style and um you know he he may end up kind of overtaking that or for all we know musgrave and craft really get off to a rough start don't really understand the off offense and it ends up being sort of the De- josiah deguara show i don't know bottom line is all three of these guys are guaranteed guaranteed is a little strong firmly believe all three of these guys will be comfortably placed on the 53-man roster all right from there let's look at mr tyler davis tyler davis has uh been around for a little bit of a while he was actually a draft pick i believe in the sixth round by the jacksonville jaguars yeah six round pick 206 um spent three years at uconn one at georgia tech really not a very impressive college career um in his four years His best statistical year was 22 receptions, 226 yards, and six touchdowns. When he transferred to Georgia Tech in 2019, he had 17 receptions, 148 yards, and one touchdown. Um, His grades over four years, 59, 55, 65, 58. Receiving basically mimics that. His pass blocking grade that final year was a 54. So nothing massively uh, exciting there. But physically, obviously, he he fits the mold. In 2020, he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He played in four games of his 22 routes run. He had two targets, zero receptions, a 40.9 PFF grade, 42 receiving grade. Then in 2021, the Green Bay Packers, well, technically Indianapolis put him on their practice squad. Then Green Bay picked him up from the pack, from the Colts practice squad that September of 2021. He ended up um, on 72 passing plays, 57 routes run. It was five targets, four receptions, 35 yards, 57 PFF grade, 46.5 receiving grade. And then last year in 2022, almost identical, five targets, four receptions, but 26 yards. And that was on 47 routes run. He had a 56.7 PFF grade, a 50.8 receiving grade. That was his highest receiving grade in those three years. So, I mean, he, he is on a one-year deal with the Green Bay Packers this year at 26 years old. Um, it was a $1 million, essentially a $1 million deal. $1,040,000 was the total. Not a bad deal for, <laughs> I mean, all things consist. It's crazy that if you're in the NFL and can be like one of the worst tight ends in football, you get a million bucks just as sort of like, man, let's see what happens. Um, it is entirely possible he does not make the 53-man roster. A million dollars is not really much of a commitment at all. And guess how much we owe if he doesn't make the roster? Zero dollars. So we shall see. I mean, he he is at best tight end four. Not on his rookie deal anymore. You kind of know what he is and what he isn't. I know the Packers really like the guy, 
but you know, I don't know. In Brian Gutekunst's time here, we have always kept four tight ends. So more than likely, if we just kind of cut to the end, it's going to be Musgrave, Kraft, Aguara, and Tyler Davis. But we've got two other guys that can fight for that number four spot. The first of which is Austin Allen. He initially got picked up as an undrafted free agent in 2022. So last year by the New York Giants, they waived him that August, then picked him up and put him back on their practice squad. And then in January of this year, the Green Bay Packers picked him up off the street. But the cool thing about Austin Allen is he is a freaking monster. Uh, he is six foot eight, two hundred and fifty three pounds. Um, hasn't done anything in the regular season of the NFL. However, for the New York Giants uh, last year, he was in the three preseason games. He had six targets, six receptions for fifty nine yards and a touchdown. His grades in those three games: fifty nine, forty three, and seventy five for an overall of 58.5 and a 63.8 receiving grade. Had a yards per route run of 1.26. He did run a lot of routes on those few receptions, but a 147.2 passer rating. If we take a quick peek back at uh, Austin Allen in college, he had spent four years at Nebraska. Looks like the last two years were more of a full-time role, and he had a massive breakout in year four. So his first three grades were 43, 57, 57, and then 89.8 and a 90.7 receiving grade. The guy absolutely went nuts. Um, 38 receptions, almost 80% uh, reception percentage, so uh, passes caught. 602 yards, 15.8 yards per reception and two touchdowns. 2.52 yards per reception, 115.3 passer rating. Uh, Dane Brugler had him as the number 17 tight end out of Nebraska, 6th to 7th round prospect. Again, he went undrafted. He did run a 4.38, so he's, he's definitely not a speed guy, but uh, he was a big basketball guy in high school, number 38 tight end in the 2017 recruiting class, number one recruit in the state of Nebraska. He committed to Nebraska because he grew up a Cornhusker fan. Uh, his summary says, a three-year starter at Nebraska, Allen lined up in line and detached and detached in head coach Scott Frost's multiple offense. He enjoyed a career year as a senior, named a Big Ten's top tight end, and set several program records at the tight end position, including single-season catches and receiving yards. With his height, catch radius, and strong hands, Allen was a consistent chain mover on tape, and his athletic profile suggests upside as a route runner. He uses solid angles to get into position as a blocker, although his taller stature and narrow base hinder his sustain and finish skills. Overall, Allen doesn't have the dynamic route skills to easily uncover, but he is a contested catch monster with the trait that suggests there is more meat on that bone. He has intriguing developmental potential on day three. By the way, his contested catch rate in college was 85.7%. He caught six of seven contested catches in that uh, final year in 2021. Probably more intriguing when you're looking at a guy that's really big and can't move all that fast is can you kind of be that Mercedes Lewis type of guy? Well, in college anyways, in 2021, he did have a 73 run blocking grade and a 73 pass blocking grade, which is pretty solid. Didn't really get a chance to see much of that in the pros. In preseason, um, his run blocking grade was down to a 53 on just 24 attempts. He had a 70 pass blocking grade, but that was just four attempts. So haven't really had a chance to see him much there. But it'll be interesting. Again, he's a long shot, but there's only three guys vying for that number four spot. And if he can prove his worth as a blocker and just be an absolute mismatch nightmare at six foot eight, maybe. And that brings us to our final tight end of the day, Mr. Cameron McDonald, six foot four, 245 pounds out of Florida State. 
undrafted free agent this year by the Green Bay Packers. He was a uh, four-year player. I don't know about starter, maybe three-year starter-ish based on snap counts. But uh, let's say four-year player at Florida State. Grades really not very good. F- uh, 55, 58, 56, and 64. Decent pass blocker, but you know you don't do as much pass blocking as run blocking as a tight end. And his run blocking grades were not super great. It did get up to a 62 in 2022, which is his final year. So I guess we can give him that, but in the 40s prior to that. And then this past year was his best year as a receiver, but only 21 receptions for 315 yards and one touchdown, 1.46 yards per route run, which is significantly higher than it had been in the past, Uh, 50% contested catch rate, one of two, and an 84.8 passer rating when targeted. Just had three games graded out as good this past season. Uh, Dane Brugler didn't have a ton on him, uh, had him as the number 45 tight end out of Florida State, had him at a 498 40 time at 245 pounds, a 498. What in the world are we doing here? Didn't participate in the three cone or the short shuttle, had a 30 inch vert, nine foot, nine inch broad jump. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Let's check in with uh, Mr. Tony Pauline and see if we can figure out what the, uh, the appeal is here. According to Mr. Pauline, strengths, Hardworking tight end with average size and speed, sets a wide base, bends his knees, and stays square as a blocker to seal defenders from the action, works his way back to the ball to make himself an available target, or finds the open spot in the defense, extends his hands to offer the quarterback a target nicely, makes the reception away from his frame. Weakness, not a natural pass catcher, doesn't show off soft hands, doesn't finish blocks. Overall, McDonald is a hardworking college tight end, but he comes with average athletic numbers and limited upside. That is the most polite thing I've ever heard in my life. All right, so look... (laughs) I, I want to make this as exciting as is humanly possible from the standpoint of we got a competition at tight end, man. You know, that number four spot is a legitimate competition. We got to see who's going to win it between Tyler Davis or is it going to be Austin Allen or Cameron McDonald. But I got to be honest, man, I think Tyler Davis probably runs away with this thing. We'll see what Austin Allen and Cam McDonald can do. But I, what is Austin Allen the fastest between the other two at, at running somewhere in the four eights? I think it was and McDonald being 245 running almost a five flat. I mean, he's, he's, he's got offensive line speed. Maybe, maybe there was some kind of an injury there. I mean, again, Pauline saying average athleticism, who knows something might've happened, but I, even if you throw out the 40 time, there's really nothing. There's no college production. The grades are not good. I, uh, I don't know. And again, considering the Packers genuinely seem to like Tyler Davis and, and you know, they like his upside or whatever, I, I, I feel like this is probably pretty straightforward that that's, we're going to carry four and it's going to be Musgrave, Kraft, DeGuara, and Tyler Davis. I, I just, I would almost be stunned if that isn't the case. Again, we'll see. We'll see when training camp rolls around, if somebody starts to make a name for themselves. As I said, Austin Allen is intriguing with his size and if he can really come on as a blocker, that has to be intriguing to the Packers for a team that really liked... Um, I mean, there's a good chance he's the best blocker of those three. And if he can be a fun target once in a while, maybe. I mean, at least from that standpoint, in Austin Allen, you have something that you don't have anywhere else. You know, Musgrave is 6'6", six, six, which is big, but 6'8 is a different thing. What does Tyler Davis offer that nobody else can offer? Nothing. I know I'm coming off biased here. I'm, j- I'm just saying as a potential positive... Anyways, I think that's relatively straightforward, at least for me, but it's something to keep an eye on as training camp rolls around is that number four tight end spot, as well as how those top three guys kind of sort themselves out as time moves along. 
Right now, it's kind of a back and forth between whether it's Musgrave or DeGuara getting those number one snaps. I expect Tucker Craft to start getting rotated into that. And again, we'll see kind of how that settles. So you've got kind of like wide receiver, you got your one, two, three, and then you got your four, five, six, and then you got, we'll see kind of how that all shakes out after that. Here we've got our one, two, three, and then we've got four, five, six fighting for number four with potentially an outside chance that we end up bringing a number other than four, but I'm operating with the assumption that it's going to be four again. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.